Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, along Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen. Little posty. Big Cowboys fan. After last night, what a win for the Dallas Cowboys on a day where we saw the Kansas City Chiefs complain like crazy. Josh Allen and the Bills get a win on the road at Kansas City. Denver's all of a sudden a contender in the AFC West now as a result. San Francisco does what they do. Baltimore wins on a walk-off punt return. Shohei Otani makes $700 million over the course of a decade. And the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles 33-13 on Sunday Night Football. Anything to say to the Cowboys fans? I have to apologize to Cowboys fans. I was wrong about your team. Cowboys fans, I'm looking into your eyes, <laughs> and I'm speaking into your hearts. I'm sorry for disparaging your team. All of the Cowboys fans. Uh, Nuno is saying to me they can't hear me. you if you're not on mic. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> Cowboys fans. Hold on. let me. I got to get the mic in front of me just so I can make sure that this is a hard. I apologize from the bottom of my heart because I was wrong. I said that I didn't think Dak was capable of playing at an MVP level. I didn't think Dak was capable of beating Jalen Hurts head-to-head. I didn't think that Mike McCarthy could coach circles around Nick Sirianni. I didn't think that your defense was tough enough to withstand that Eagles rushing attack. And I was wrong on all of those fronts. So, Cowboys fans, I'm sorry for saying that it wouldn't be possible for you to win the division. And I'm sorry for saying that it wouldn't be possible for you to get the number one seed because all of those things are on the board right now and your quarterback is currently the favorite to win MVP of the NFL. So Cowboys fans, I'm sorry for all of the bad things that I've said about you. I won't say anything negative about your team again. And right now, I'm a believer. Sitting here today, I would be shocked if the Cowboys don't go to the conference championship game or better. That's how impressed I was with their win over the Eagles last night. But we'll have the same energy if they lose to the Bills, right? We'll still say that they are going to go to the conference championship game, or will we say, "Mm, this is when the Cowboys trick us? No, I'm still saying that they're going to the conference championship game. Okay, I'm still saying it. The thing that makes me the happiest here, as somebody that has been a big Dak guy for a while, but also really, for some reason, I I find myself rooting for coaches. Like, I I realized today, my three favorite people in the NFL are Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, and Mike McCarthy, which is just weird. It is in general. And Brock Purdy. You love Brock Purdy. Oh, yeah, I do love love Brock Purdy. Purdy. But I'm glad that CeCe and others are starting to acknowledge, and I know CeCe's been acknowledging this, but many people don't, how good Mike McCarthy actually is. Like, you can't watch that game last night and not marvel at his play calling. Like, he's an excellent play caller. And now they're doing creative things, misdirection. And we, we always do the comparison from a football perspective, not the situation that he took over in New Orleans. But we do this. We do the comparison of Sean Payton versus Mike McCarthy. They came around at the same time. Numerically, they look, diff- they look very similar. And Sean Payton gets the benefit of the doubt in a way in which Mike McCarthy has not. 
I love the fact that people are realizing that Mike McCarthy is starting to be really good. And I understand what you're saying, that he's going to now have all this pressure to win and win big. I get it. But Mike McCarthy is an excellent football coach, and I think he's showing off a little bit this year, which is awesome. Well, I don't know. You had a reaction there. Is, is there anything you want to say? No, I'm not going to say anything okay. negative about the Dallas Cowboys. Oh. It is all Rose. Listen, for this, for this team to be as efficient as they were, especially on the offensive side of the ball, with McCarthy missing the entire week of prep because of an appendectomy, yeah, is nothing right. short of impressive. It shows you the character in the leadership in that locker room, which leads me to believe that this year could be different. And the leadership starts with Dak Prescott, who was phenomenal. Think about this. In the first half, Dak Prescott led four scoring drives, Three of those were double-digit play drives. Three of those were touchdown drives. And, of course, he was the head of the stake when it comes to being able to sustain those drives because he was 4-6 converting on third downs with either his legs or his arm. And what encapsulates this perfectly, or the play that I point to, was the touchdown throw to CeeDee Lamb. I mean, all of his receivers are covered as he goes through the progression initially. He steps up and out of the pocket. CeeDee Lamb uncovers, and he puts it on him for a walk-in touchdown. Like, we, we haven't seen this version of Dak Prescott in the National Football League. We certainly haven't seen him in the last couple of years because he hasn't necessarily moved around this well. And I think a part of it was the ankle surgery that he had a few years ago. But Dak right now is at the height of his powers, and that's why he is the overwhelming favorite to win MVP. Right now it's plus 160 odds to win MVP. The next closest person is Brock Purdy at plus 225. The third person in line is Lamar Jackson at plus 700. So what the odds makers are saying is that this is Dak Prescott's award to lose. And how could you not say that based on how Dak has played over the last six or seven games? You can't. He is playing like the MVP and he'll likely win the award. The Dallas Cowboys are playing exceptional football right now. This was a message to the rest of the NFC, to the rest of football, frankly, about how dominant they can be against a quality opponent. However, unless they do it in the playoffs, none of this matters. We're looking at a Dallas Cowboys team that from every single angle looks like a Super Bowl contender. No doubt. And if they fall short yet again, even though Mike McCarthy is an outstanding coach and even though Mike McCarthy is so responsible for what we're seeing out of Dak Prescott. They are working in lockstep together. He's a huge reason why we're seeing this version of Dak be unlocked. But if this version of the Dallas Cowboys fall short yet again in the playoffs, mm. if they don't, as you predicted, made it, make it to the conference championship round at least – we're going to have some questions. Someone is going to have to be held accountable. And I don't know if that means Mike McCarthy losing his job, but I think Dak's already played himself into his next contract. Jerry, there's no other option for the Cowboys and Jerry Jones. So, unfortunately, the pressure is being ratcheted up on a guy like Mike McCarthy, who's done an outstanding job. Here's the twist in the Mike McCarthy story. In Green Bay, he had a quarterback that kind of wanted him out. If Dak, McC- Dak Prescott is as good as we all think he is, which he is, he should be the MVP. I agree with you. He's awesome. At some point, he should get a say in that. So if they fall short and Jerry Jones is even thinking about it and Dak walks in, uh, knock on the door, I'm sorry, we don't get anybody else. That's our coach. We're going to figure this out next year. Dak Prescott is getting great enough to have a say on the head coaching position. And I, I have to believe, I don't know, but I have to believe he wants Mike McCarthy to be his coach for the foreseeable future. Well, I mean, if Dak wins the MVP, then everybody is going to assign his that, that level of ability of a quarterback that can win a championship. So whether or not they get it done, I, I don't think that changes anything for Dak. He's still going to be a $60 million a year plus type of player. 
He's going to be the highest paid player in the National Football League whenever they do the deal. So I think that he's going to have say, you know, in this whole situation on how he feels about McCarthy and whether yeah. or not he's the right person. But I do think it brings a different level of scrutiny on McCarthy because of all of the pieces that they have on this team. Because of the financial commitment that they have to make to Dak. Because of the financial commitment they're going to have to make to Michael Parsons. Mm -hmm. Because of the commitment they're going to have to make to CeeDee Lamb. Because you have an all-pro at wide receiver. You have two defenders that are in the conversation for defensive player of the year. You have a really good offensive line. Still, if you have all of these elements, why can't this team get to the championship rounds? That will be the question. I said it last week. This is McCarthy's best chance at being able to get to the championship rounds this team, this season, because there are two teams that are in your way, and you just boat raced one of them in the Philadelphia Eagles. So what it's going to come down to is can you beat these teams when it matters most? Because nobody cares about having double-digit win seasons in Dallas anymore. You've done that three years running. What people want to know now is can you get this team to the championship rounds? Now, here's the thing. They're the fourth team in the Super Bowl era to have eight wins or more of at least 20 points or more. So, so let me say that again. Teams. They're the yeah. fourth team in the Super Bowl era to have eight wins where they've beat teams by 20 points or more. The other three teams all made it to the Super Bowl. Two of them won it, and the one that didn't was the 2007 Patriots undefeated, lost to the New York Giants. So, so, so that's the kind of company this team is keeping. If you're the owner slash general manager in Jerry Jones, it's not a matter of the talent that you've been able to assemble. It's not a matter of the quarterback play. You got both of those boxes checked. But what makes the difference once you get to the playoffs is coaching. Can your coach find a way to be the difference in a positive way when you're head-to-head against the Kyle Shanahan's, the Nick Sirianni's? That's what we want to see. That's all anybody cares about. And so that's still – a question that we have yet to have answered and that won't happen until the playoffs. But you have everything it takes in Dallas to win a championship. So Cowboys fans, again, I apologize. I was wrong. <laughs> um, another question I have coming out of this game, are we done giving this version of the Philadelphia Eagles the benefit of the doubt? Because I've been there all season with Kansas City and I have a bigger body of work on them because of my time in St. Louis and the fact that we didn't have a team and I've been watching so much Chiefs football over the past five, six years that they just did not look the same to me. But when we look at Philadelphia, a lot of these games were close and they were still finding ways to win. And I always felt like we still hadn't seen the best version of this team yet because it just didn't look as dominant as t- at times as it did last season. I know you had two coordinator changes. That it's a different team, obviously. But maybe we did see the best version of them when they were pulling out wins. Well, I'll give you a little stat here. If you take out the kneel down at the end of the Niners game, they allowed between the second half or, or really after the first two possessions with the Niners game into the first half last night, 10 straight scoring possessions. Six in a row to San Francisco, then the kneel down, Four in a row to start the game last night. Ten straight, taking the kneel down out. Ten straight possessions where the Philadelphia Eagles allowed a score by their opposition. Something is wrong. And I think that a lot of people were kind of waiting to pounce on them because they had a lot of close wins. They didn't play that well early on. I got defensive on behalf of the Eagles, even though I'm not an Eagles fan. Like, what are we going to hold that against them that they had a close win? They won the game. But maybe it was a sign of what's to come because they have not been very good over the last few games. And I understand they're playing Dallas and, and San Fran, and those are the two top teams in the NFC. But there are a lot of question marks with this Eagles team right now. 
at least in my mind, a lot of question marks with the Eagles team. There's also a lot of question marks with the team that they played in the Super Bowl last year, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're still complaining. We'll play some of those complaints for you coming up. It's Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com for more information. Do want to give credit to the Buffalo Bills, right? we got to give credit to them, even though, unfortunately for them, they're probably not as big of the story today. Do you want to apologize to anybody first, or do we want me to get into Kansas City no, here? No, we can get into it. Okay, all right, just making sure. No, I apologize, Cowboys <laughs> fans. Cowboys fans. Listen, Cowboys fans, I, I just want to say that I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. As a matter of fact, let me, let me sing you a song. I apologize, believe me, I do. I apologize, know that is true. Because I know I was wrong, and so I sing you this song. Cowboys fans, I apologize. That's a little Anita Baker for your Monday morning. But I I didn't sing it like Anita Baker. But I'm just saying, Cowboys fans, I am sorry that I ever doubted you. I said coming into this year that your team wouldn't make the playoffs, and look at you. You're in position now to not only win your division, but potentially grab the number one seed in the NFC. This is Mike McCarthy's best chance at getting to the conference championship game or better. And here's the great thing, Cowboys fans, your quarterback is no longer a question. Dak Prescott is the presumptive MVP. Right now he has the shortest odds to win MVP of anybody in the National Football League. So, Cowboys fans, I apologize. This is absolutely a championship contending team. And right now I would be shocked if the Cowboys didn't get to the conference championship game or better this season. All right, now we got that off your chest, obviously. The Bills yesterday beat the Chiefs 20-17, to and the story of this game late was Travis Kelsey gets a pass catch uh, caught from Patrick Mahomes, of course, and then throws it back on a lateral, beautiful spiral to Kadarius Toney, down 20-17, to minute plus to go. Tony runs it in the end zone for a touchdown, and you think the Chiefs are going to win the game? But no, Tony gets called for offsides. The Chiefs go absolutely berserk. Based on the CBS replay, he's clearly offsides, and he's over the line of scrimmage. They had that imaginary blue line. You can see it on ESPN2 there. His foot was over the line of scrimmage. Andy Reid, the head coach of the Chiefs after the game, had this to say about that call by the referees. I've been in the league a long time, and uh, I haven't had one like that. So 
our our at least for that kind of a position there that it's not uh, given a heads up to. So he was saying it's very rare, obviously, in that position. Carl Jeffers was the head referee there, and post game he uh, spoke to the me, the pool reporter there, and he said about the alignment situation with Kadarius Tony because they were looking for some sort of war- warning. He said, "Yes, ultimately, if they look for alignment advice." Certainly, we are going to give it to them. But ultimately, they are responsible for wherever they line up. And certainly, no warning is required, especially if they are lined up so far off sides where they're actually blocking our view of the ball. So we would give them some sort of warning if it was anywhere close. But this particular one is beyond a warning. Hold on. What? You would give them a warning if it was anywhere close, but because it wasn't close— you're not going to give them a warning? Yeah, that one does How does that sense. make sense? I don't understand the, the concept math of a warning with that in small. No, that one doesn't well, make sense was, at all. If, if, if the receiver is blocking the line judge's view of the ball, if you're the line judge, before the snap, say, hey, you need to get back. Like, that's what they do. As defensive linemen in the league for over a decade, the, 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 uh, the umpires, the, the line judges, they would tell you, hey, your, your, head is, your helmet is in the neutral zone. You need to back up off the ball. They would give you a warning before they flagged you unless it was so egregious where it was a situation where it gave you an advantage in order to make a play on that particular snap. But unless that was the case, then they're going to give you a warning before they flag you. There was no warning in this situation. And that's probably why Mahomes is upset, right? Think about how the game against the Packers ended with the non-call on the defensive pass interference on MVS. If if that play doesn't happen or if they get that call, then all of a sudden you're talking about the Chiefs being able to win that game. But the refs let it slide in that situation, but they don't let an offsides by KT slide. And the part that's even more maddening for the Chiefs is that KT was not the intended receiver. It was Travis Kelsey. There was no competitive advantage because KT was in the neutral zone. Now, how did, wait, but how does that work, though? Like, so you're playing out that the ball was going to Kelsey, which it did, and that technically, even though he was offsides, he wasn't part of the play. Like, if he was originally part of the play, they should look at that differently? Yes. I would say it would, it would matter. It would matter because you could make an argument – that it gave the player a competitive advantage. So you're throwing a there, late there, flag? There, is that how there, that works? No, no I'm not saying it's a late flag, but what I'm saying is there was no advantage to be had right there by KT, which makes it more egregious. Right. The ref has got to do what the ref has got to do, but I'm just simply saying that that play has got to be maddening for Mahomes, especially how last week ended. It, it, you can't look at it in a silo. Context matters, and you have to go back to last week in order to paint the full picture. But looking at this thing from a Chiefs perspective – that's on Kadarius Tony. Yes, agreed. He's a professional. You have to line up on sides, especially when it's the end of game, where you know everything you do is going to be scrutinized at a higher level. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how you can make that kind of mistake, how you can have that lapse in mental focus, but that's what the wide receiving core for the Chiefs has been all season long. There's a reason why they lead the league in drops. They got 29 drops on the season as a receiving core. They got six fumbles on the season as a receiving core. I mean, they were making the point during the broadcast last night, there are just layup passes that Mahomes should have where those receivers have got to pull those in that, that make it you know more favorable downs and distances for the offense. But because those guys are dropping those passes, because they're not converting in those situations, it makes it that much harder for Mahomes. And that's why you saw him explode on Andy Reid on the sidelines. He's frustrated. He can't get a break. Not from the officials, not from his teammates, seemingly not from the coaching staff, 
And so that's why I think it's starting to boil over now. And you're looking at a situation with the Denver Broncos as a seven-win team after yesterday where the Kansas City Chiefs might not even win their own division. Which is crazy. Just crazy to think. And I have always been somebody that loved Mahomes and defended Mahomes because he didn't do exactly what he did yesterday. And yesterday was the day that I've never heard him make excuses like he made yesterday. Ever. I don't think he's ever made an excuse like he made yesterday. Blame someone else like he blamed them yesterday. He did have three offensive passes after that penalty. Right? I mean, he did have three chances after that, and Mahomes is the kind of guy that you assume second and 15, 16, whatever it is, that he would, he would get a first down, and he did not. I have never, Smalls, ever heard him blame others like he did yesterday. No, not only just blame others, but have the tantrum like he did on the sidelines. I mean, when he was walking under the field after the game to shake hands with people, you heard him complaining still as he's shaking hands with Josh Allen about the call. And I'm with CeCe on this one. I think it's... Uh, compilation of everything that's happening for Mahomes this season. Yes, he's probably mad at that individual play, but the Chiefs have lost four of their last six. Mahomes was always the guy that could make magic happen at the end of games. They've really struggled in the fourth quarter this season. They have the fewest points per game. They're 29th in yards per play. And at the end of games, the wide receiving core is constantly disappointing him or coming up short. I feel like he sees the writing on the wall with this team. And that call yesterday was just the culmination probably of a lot of feelings that he has. Yeah, John Perry, ESPN NFL officiating analyst, was on with Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter last night and broke down the penalty in the Chiefs-Bills game. Number one, as far as no warning, it's because it is so egregious. Look, the officials work with these players, these receivers, play in and play out for three hours to align them and help them align correctly. And this is a receiver that must not have taken a look at the line of scrimmage official who's got a foot out, a hand out, showing him the line of scrimmage, the demarcation. You're forward, it's a foul. And if you're behind it, you're good. This has also been on the training tapes for weeks. We've called 12 offside penalties on the offense throughout the 2023 season. So this is not new to this season. Yeah, it is new to the season because the 12 penalties that he's talking about, offensive offsides, most of them, the overwhelming majority of them are on the tush-push plays or the brotherly shove. You're, you're not seeing it out in the field when the offense is in a normal or traditional formation. And that's what makes this an outlier. So I get the explanation, but it's, it's a little bit of playing a result in terms of trying to explain away the fact that the player was agreed. Listen, what Kadarius Tony did, it, it doesn't need a defense for the official in terms of making the call. But to sit here and say that this call is the norm is just simply not true. Pat Mahomes told you in the postgame, you've been a quarterback seven years in this league, never seen that called. So, I mean, it's just that is different. And it might be a new point of emphasis, but I guess the part that's a shock to the system for all players, and the Chiefs particularly because they were on the losing side of it, is that it was called in that situation. Mm-hmm. You just, you just, you wouldn't expect that that would happen, especially if that guy wasn't the intended receiver on that play. But the refs made the call, and and that's how it goes down. But it, 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 I get why it's maddening for Pat Mahomes because he can't throw it and catch it at the same time. He just can't. Coming up, could seven hundred million dollars actually be less than what someone deserves? We'll find out next. It's on Sportsman Like on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around. Different stressors, I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space 
to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. We are on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Yes, Shohei Otani stays in California, goes to the Dodgers on a 10-year, $700 million deal with deferred money, Bobby Bonilla Mets style, basically, is what's going to happen here. And he's going to do it and set it up so he can help the Dodgers continuously get players. But this is a remarkable, a remarkable deal to get $700 million if you're going to average it out over 10 years. Obviously, um, thank you, University of Wisconsin. I figured out that's $70 million a year. Um, but I was thinking about this. If I were his agent, I'd probably argue this. If he was just an everyday player, he's Mike Trout, $426 million. If he was just a an every five day pitcher, he's Garrett Cole, three hundred twenty four million mm-hmm. rough estimates. That's seven hundred fifty million. You actually got him on a discount, L.A. Dodgers, because he can be a little bit of both. Obviously, that comes off as utterly absurd <laughs> to think that someone on a seven hundred million dollar contract could be on a discount. But based on the peers and the combination of those peers, I actually think the money makes sense. Am I nuts to think that? I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. They certainly paid a premium and they went someplace that nobody else was willing to go. Right. Which is what I said when Dave Roberts made those public comments about the recruitment of Shohei. When Shohei wanted to keep it private, even though Dave Roberts came out and spoke on it, if if the Dodgers were going to pay $100 million more than anybody else, it wasn't going to make a difference that he talked about recruiting Shohei. And so that's ultimately what ended up happening. But the thing I'll say about Shohei is that you just don't know what kind of pitcher he's going to be coming off of his second Tommy John surgery. So there's a little bit of hedging from the Dodgers in terms of some of the deferrals. And here's the great thing about building the contract out the way they did. You create room to be able to add players. It, it's not a situation where the Dodgers, from a cash standpoint, are hamstrung or from a luxury tax standpoint, won't be able to go out and make the requisite moves if they need to continue to tweak the lineup or if they need to add to the pitching staff. So – I think this is a huge win for Shohei Otani, obviously, but it's also a huge win for the Dodgers because they will absolutely take advantage of the front end of this contract by winning, by competing and winning championships. Yeah, I guess it's about as friendly as a $700 million contract could be for the L.A. Dodgers, but I, I agree with both of you. I think he's underpaid based on what he is, but I'm also surprised he reached that threshold having his second UCL surgery in five years. I was just wondering if that injury and knowing he can't be 
at full force for at least another season because of that. He, we're not going to see him pitch till 2025 if that would in any way hinder the overall number. It clearly did not. And while I think in the long grand scheme of things, Dave Roberts talking probably wouldn't have mattered if they were going to offer him up 100 or $200 million more than anybody else. I also think it can't be glossed over that he wanted to go to a contender. He wanted to go to a place where he could win. And the Dodgers really check every box. They are a city he's familiar with. It's the time zone that he likes. It's the money that he likes. And it's a team that he's going to go to that should win a World Series or two, at least during the length of this contract. Or at least we're going to put them in that category. And he goes to it with a couple of other superstars. But I'll say specifically Mookie Betts, who by all accounts is like the greatest teammate ever. Play any position for you. Outfield, second base. He's a great player. Like, everybody loves him. So I think there's that part of it as well. I also would argue that even if he can't pitch the way he once could, if I told you right now Mike Trout, as an everyday player, could also give you an inning out of relief, that is so insanely valuable just even in that. So even if Otani is not a full-fledged starting pitcher but could pitch a little bit, the value is still through the roof. They're obviously not paying him to be a reliever. They're paying him to ultimately be a starter. But in the worst-case scenario, if your best everyday player can also be a reliever for you, that is something that no one else in baseball has. So there is a value in that. Now, a couple other things off of this. The Dodgers have to do what in order for this to pay off? One World Series, two World Series. How are we going to look at this in terms of, yep, you know what? They got a great deal out of this. I mean, you got to take advantage of the front end of these contracts because anytime you do these 10, 12-year deals, the back end of it is going to be awful. Right. All you got to do is see Giancarlo Stanton's deal, right? <laughs> Signs a 13-year deal. Like the, the next four years are going to be terrible for the Yankees. What you're hoping for is that you can win over the next four or five years and c- compete for multiple championships, win a couple of championships. To me, that's the threshold, right? Uh, I think it's, you know, be in it for the next five years, and if you come away with a couple of championships, you feel like it was a successful deal, you feel like it's good business. If you don't get to that, I think it's a different level of scrutiny for the organization, but specifically for Shohei Otani too, because he's kind of flown relatively under the radar in terms of his team's overall success. Nobody really blames him for what went down over the last five years in Anaheim. But if he goes to the Dodgers and with the talent they already have on that team, if they don't compete for multiple championships, people going to start looking at him and pointing the finger and saying they, he needs to be better. And it's wild to think that we could live in that world, but those are the types of expectations that come along with putting that uniform on. Is one championship enough? No. Is one World Series enough? No. That's what I keep thinking about because – The Dodgers are a team that has had talent top to bottom for many years now, and they've won one World Series during that span in the truncated 2020 season when talent rose to the top in every sport. And there's been a lot of questions as to why a talent-rich franchise like the Dodgers hasn't been able to cash in more. And I'm looking at this deal and looking what this player is and the complement of players that he's going to have around him and I keep thinking to myself, it's so hard to win a championship. It is so hard to win one. But based on the talent level of this team and the length and, and money involved in this contract, will we look back if Shohei Otani wins one in L.A. with the Dodgers and say that's not enough? And I think we might. Yeah. I mean, so we're saying it has to be two. At least two. He has to win two. Multiple, yeah. Yeah. So now, where he left oh. – Becomes an interesting storyline, too. This is very much playing the results, obviously, because we knew that the Blue Jays were in the mix. We thought that maybe the Angels could still, at the end, possibly have a chance, which obviously they did not. 
the Angels as a franchise, let him just walk. Like, let arguably the greatest talent we've ever seen in the sport just walk. Well, they didn't let, let him just walk. I mean, he left in free agency to a team that gave him wrath of God money. Like, no, 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 like, no. No, they could have traded him this season, and they should have. Yeah, they absolutely should have. But they wanted to keep him. They, they were trying to resign him. But they needed to have the self-awareness to know that they are not a team that can compete on the level that these other teams can from an, a talent standpoint and from a wins and losses standpoint. Money is, of course, a component here. But this is a guy that wants to win. And he, the Angels should have realized we're not going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to keep him, and they didn't. And by the way, in baseball, it's different than some other – in basketball. Like, you can't trade a guy and get him back in a certain amount of time. That's the interesting thing. They could have done both. They could have said to Otani, listen, we're not winning this year. We need to, we need to hedge here a little bit. We are going to offer you an inordinate amount of money this offseason, but in the meantime, we're going to trade you to the Braves. We're going to trade you. But why would you give him a chance to fall in love with somebody else? Well, like That's like letting your, your wife go out on a date with somebody else. Why would you do that? Because like, you if get you're, something if you're, if you're, in if you're, return. If you're the angel. Well, here's the thing. If they were prepared to offer him $600 million, they couldn't foresee that the Dodgers are going to pay him seven. Like, think, think about it. We didn't. Nobody. Nobody had it on the board that he was going to get $700 million. We had heard $500 million. We had heard $600 million. Nobody thought this dude was going to get a 10-year deal paying him $70 million per. So I just think that the Dodgers were going to a realm that nobody could have foreseen. Now, if you want to criticize him for it, that's fine. But I understand wanting to keep that guy as a part of your program moving forward because he is such a singular talent. They probably wanted to pay him. They didn't want to give him a chance to fall in love with somebody else, and that's why they didn't trade him. Hindsight is twenty twenty. They should have traded him, knowing that he defected anyway, but I understand the thought process of the organization trying to hang on to somebody that, that has multiple MVPs in their first five years in major leagues. Sure. He is a unicorn. We haven't seen a player like this since Babe Ruth. I understand the allure of wanting to keep him. But this is the M.O. of the Angels. They collect stars. They do not collect championships. And it's so frustrating to me as a baseball fan. I I used the term wasteland earlier. It's a wasteland of talent. Whether it's (laughs) Albert Pujols, Rendon, Trout, Otani. Trout and Otani were together with the Angels for six seasons. Zero playoff appearances, zero winning seasons. They had an opportunity this season to really look at themselves and say, you know what, collecting stars, giving them the big contracts, it hasn't worked out for us. Why don't we zag? Why don't we move on from Otani as difficult as that may be, knowing that long-term he's likely not going to come back and get something in return for him and try to build this thing a different way? And they didn't do it. And knowing that you could sit with them after the season also. It's allowed. I mean, you can do that. You can sit with him after the season, have the conversation about him coming back, all while having you know three great prospects in AAA that are ready to play in the big leagues at some point. It's a move for the Dodgers. I don't blame – I mean, if you're Andrew Freeman who runs the Dodgers, Dave Roberts who's the manager of the Dodgers, you don't give two you-know-whats that in 2090, whoever owns the Dodgers is going to be paying Shohei Otani's grandkids. It doesn't matter to you. you got to win in 2024 and 2025. So whatever happens a decade from now – Ain't my money. I ain't worrying about it. So if anyone wants to criticize the Dodgers for going too high, 
It's not too high now, and it's not too high next year. It's too high a decade from now when none of us who's gonna, are going to know who's going to own the Dodgers, who's going to play on the Dodgers, or who's going to manage the Dodgers. It's a no-brainer for them to take this risk right now. Coming up, I'm sure Pat Costello, our producer, is over this and other things. <laughs> I'm over it. Next. Go to ESPN.com slash for a chance to win $1 million. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you, our producer, Pat Costello, each and every day finds the time to complain about things and tells us things in life and sports that he's over. What are you over, Pat, today? I forgot my hat and sweatshirt, but, you know. Your sponsorship here. Yeah, still available. Um, I am completely over the LA Angels. We were just talking about it. They are the worst franchise in sports right doubt. now. Without a doubt. Mike Wait, Trout- so either or, Pat. Angels, if you're in, if you're in LA right now. Which one frustrates you more, the Angels or the Chargers? You don't care about the Chargers. The, the, it's well, you not even don't close. Care about the Angels either. <laughs> um, to be fair, Mike Trout should walk into the Angels GM office and and literally not leave until he has forced his way out of that organization. They're a complete joke and have done nothing to give anyone any confidence that they can turn it around at any point. Like the fact that he is he's wasting his career being an LA Angel at this point. I could not agree more, Pat. You know how I always talk about social jail? There should be sports jail and Artie Moreno should be in sports jail. <laughs> the fact that you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and you have zero playoff appearances and zero winning seasons is you should go in sports jail. I, I literally cannot even imagine having those two guys on a team and you have nothing to show for it. If we're going to get on Shohei Otani from not making his free agency public, at what time are we? At what point are we going to be critical of Mike Trout 
Because I think Mike Trout likes the fact that nobody cares about the Angels. I think I've he enjoys there. the fact that he's on a team that nobody pays attention to. I say he's a baseball urban legend because we always talk about him being one of the best players in history, yet no one's ever seen it on a big stage. I think no one's ever seen it. How Period. many people have actually West seen him Coast, play? Yeah, unless he's playing your team. That's fair. Seriously. Uh, I, but here's the thing, though. I don't know that we can say that about Mike Trout wanting to be in anonymity. I think it just shows you the dysfunction of the Angels. I think it's unfair to say, oh, the guy because the guy doesn't want out of here, he doesn't want to be competitive. I think that's a bridge too far. Just saying. I think he likes – I would just say this. I think the fact that he's not – his every move is not covered is enjoyable to him. He's not somebody that if he were to go back home to Philly, if he goes to lunch, it's going to be covered. I think he likes the fact I can go to lunch with my wife and my kids, yeah. and nobody cares. Yeah, let's not bury the lead though. The only reason that Pat Costello is bringing this up is because he wants him to go to the Phillies. That's it. Trout, See, the only reason that he, he's bringing this up, he wants Trout to force his way out and get to the Phillies. That's all this is about. I would love that. By the way, speaking oh, of the Phillies, Bryce Harper? Oh, speaking of the Phillies, phenomenal. shout out to Bryce Harper who did the intro on Sunday Night Football last night. I didn't know he and I were so alike. His whole intro was, I grew up a Cowboys fan and now I'm an Eagles fan. You can't switch in that rivalry. At least I went from the Giants to the Patriots when the Giants guys became the Patriots guys. But man, oh man. Anyway. You think Michael Parsons grew up an Eagles fan? Harrisburg? Pennsylvania, I'm just well, saying. He's but a, he's, he's on a, the he's a, Cowboys. He's a Philly. He's a, I'm just saying. He's a yeah. Phillies fan. He, he's a Sixers fan. I'm just saying. Maybe. He might have. I'm just saying. Bryce, I see you. I see you. Welcome to front running, Bryce. Next one, Pat. Yeah, no Bryce Harper slander allowed. Thanks. <laughs> uh, the Chiefs are complete crybabies and need to stop. Like, what, what are we doing? Last week, you don't get a call. This week, they make the correct call, and you're complaining about both of them. Like, Shut up, Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if you saw the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes, where you won against the Eagles on the worst penalty call in the history of the Super Bowl, but maybe don't complain about calls. If the reaction from last night occurred last week, would we feel better about it? Because last week was blatant against them. Last night, they're saying they should have just gotten a break. Right? Like, they're just saying with the Kadarius Tony offsides, like, hey, you should, like, give us you, a break. You owe us one. You owe us one. You screwed up last week. Yeah. Give that's, us this one. But that's Let this slide. But that's not that's how it works. Obviously. works. You don't uh, get a uh, makeup call from a week ago on a blatantly correct call. What do you want from me, Pat? I'm just trying to explain the frustration. It doesn't have to always be logical. But where else is he going to point the finger of blame publicly? He can't blast Andy Reid. He can't throw KT under the bus. The only thing that he could do is complain about the refs because they missed an obvious call last week of pass interference that would have essentially won the game for him. So, so in this call, cost them a game. If we were to substitute, basically what you're saying, and I think this is dead on, we need to substitute the word ref for Kadarius Tony. That basically every single time that Patrick Mahomes is criticizing the refs, the refs couldn't do this, they couldn't do that. What he actually means is my wide receivers or Kadarius Toney or Brett Veach, the general manager. How do you provide me this? This is his Rache Caldwell, Doug Gabriel moment with Tom Brady going against the Chargers in the playoffs and then the Indianapolis Colts with those wide receivers. How? Right? How do you provide me this? That's how I look at what Mahomes did last night, right? It's kind of misplaced hate. Is that right, Cece? Yeah, it's possible, yeah. yeah. Are we at a place where we are finding the Chiefs to be unlikable? Last no. Night was a, no, last Just night wondering. was the first time. Just wondering. Last night was the first time, Smalls, that I sat back and I said, 
God, they're so much different than other dynasties in sports because we immediately, when CC and, and Nuno's Yankees were dominating, we immediately started hating them, right? We immediately started hating the Patriots. We immediately started well, we hating had, the Warriors. Well, hold, well, hold on, hold on, guys. How can we not feel bad for Pat Mahomes in this situation? Like, just watching that game. Miko Hardman dropped pass. I, I mean, Jerry McKinnon had a drop pass. Rishi Rice had a drop pass. Like, yeah, like fumble there's too, so many Rice. drop passes and fumble. Like I'm just, all I, I, I that, that's my point. This dude has been dealing with this all year long. I understand having some frustration, and he don't really have a whole lot of outlets because if he blasts the people that are coming up short, those are the people that he actually has to lean on in order to get the job done. Right. Like it does him no good. So I guess. The whole point is he's showing some frustration. You saw it on the sidelines. I'm pretty sure that he wasn't arguing with Andy Reid about the refs calling KT offsides. I'm pretty sure that had to do with his frustrations about how things have gone and them coming up short in those situations. But that's why they were such a likable dynasty, because Mahomes never did what he did last night. Last night was the first time he ever did what he did last night. Well, Mahomes has always had more help than he's had this year, too. Mm -hmm. Good point. Next one, Pat. People who don't change the battery in their smoke detector, so it's just <laughs> beeping in the background constantly. It's This is the most annoying sound to me in the world. It's so easy. Change the freaking battery in your smoke detector. Uh, I've, had, I've had issues where I change the battery and it still starts beeping. It is painful. Like nonstop beep, beep, beep. You can't figure out how to do it. Well, sometimes, too, it's very hard to reach. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? It's not an easy, let's take it off the ceiling. It's, I got to get a ladder. I got to get somebody to help me. C- circumstances matter, I think. When I lived in Florida, I clearly had old, outdated smoke detectors. <laughs> I swear, every other day I had, and I'm like, just, at, at some point, I just want this thing to burn down. Because, it, like, have it for a reason. The smoke detectors at least go off for a reason. They just would constantly beep and drive me crazy. So I'm that guy, Pat. I couldn't figure it out. Next one. Jets fans are the most annoying fans in the, all of football. Yes. Were they even there yesterday? I didn't even see them yesterday. They didn't show up. Yeah, the five who showed up to the game yesterday, they're just so insufferable. They cry because of how this season has gone for them, and yet they still somehow act like they're superior in some way. Completely insufferable. Jet, I've never had a Jets fan act superior I feel like the Jet fan complex is always inferior, aren't they? Chip on the shoulder. No, sometimes they act superior. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? At the beginning of this season, oh, yeah, before Aaron Rodgers got hurt, you couldn't tell a Jets fan <laughs> that they weren't going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's a good point. They were going to be a double-digit lost team from a year ago. You couldn't tell them that they weren't going to the big game. You couldn't say anything about them winning the division. So, yeah, I get it. Like, when, when Zach Wilson plays well, like yesterday, everybody says, see, it's not all Zach's fault. The kid could actually play. There's something. There, no, there ain't. No, there ain't. It's an outlier performance. I got three years worth of games that tells me that he's not it. Now, you can point to all of the different reasons why it never came around, but NFL ain't an excuses business, it's a results in production business. And far too many games we're talking about Zach Wilson coming up short in that department. So, yeah, I'm with you. Jets fans are absolutely insufferable, especially after improbable wins like yesterday. Yeah, that was a great win for them yesterday. That was a great performance by Zach Wilson yesterday. If you expect that to continue, you haven't watched this team for the last decade plus. We're Unsportsmanlike. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. 
Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.